You're listening to JJ Live, this is Julian Munyard. And this episode, we make our way down to Foster and find Charlie, the jack of all trades. Charlie's family were only ordinary folk, and he left his very light school education at 15, and he joined various trade colleges. He's got an electrician's apprenticeship and electronics apprenticeship, and that was about it as far as education was concerned. Charlie is a filmmaker. But the production of Above Down Under claimed to be the most expensive home movie ever made. At 85, he still races motorbikes and collects a number of cars, old and new. He's mined opals 122 feet underground. Charlie talks in this interview of living multiple lifetimes. And what he means by this is when you move your home to a different country, state or city, or get married or remarried, that is counted as a new lifetime. Charlie has lived 22 lifetimes. He was the bodyguard of Nelson Mandela. This story will examine what it means to make the most of what life offers you. Without further ado, here's Charlie. Charlie, I want to begin by asking, do you feel that luck has anything to do with success? Well, uh, luck, uh, as I saw on the latest television, there was a a fellow that's won the lotto three times. Uh, I've been trying for 33 years to win lotto and probably have spent probably over $35,000 trying to win lotto. So if luck is a degree, I wouldn't mind having a a degree of that. But I feel... What will happen, uh, I'm a, I believe in fate, uh, and you're a controller of uh, what you do, uh, and uh, you know uh, basically what's right and wrong, and uh, if you can help uh, man in any way that you possibly can, I think that's very uh, commendable to yourself and also to people around you. What's your advice for young people these days? Young people, the same as what it was back in the 40s and 50s, uh, uh, never be shy to do any sort of work, uh, whether you're qualified for it or not. My, my three wives that I've had, they've all been either qualified sisters in hospitals or um, dispensers in pharmacology, or uh, they've been... Um, Oh, let me see. Yes, we're, we're, we're just... All I can advise you is to, to try anything. And I have, in my time, worked on the railways as a, a railway um, linesman. Oh, look, it's like what my brother says, uh, my son says, you know, because you imagine all my in-laws, nephews, you know, they all want a job with him, you know? And he just says, sure, you can. You, you go to school and get your high school certificate, you bloody go to uni, you get your, you know, your degrees and maybe a PhD, then come back and, and, you know, I'll put you on as an apprentice, which he did <laughs> with David's daughter, uh, 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 granddaughter. And she knew, she was a linguist, she knew seven languages fluently and was studying Mandarin and he took her on as a, as a, uh, a bloody apprentice in, in the firm and now she's one of the biggest, you know? so, so that's it, you, you literally, you've got to outdo and my son has competition and he's 40, 
47, 48, my first son 56 or 58. At any rate, he still has competition. They want him, you know. And he was the top guy of Pepsi, and, uh, and he took over Jobs' field when he died, you know, and all this sort of shit. But he will never sign a contract because contracts are not worth the paper they're written on. As Pepsi told him, they said, you haven't got the money that we've got to fight this. You know? Well, I, I hope I've seen so many academics go straight from school, straight into university and then become a professor and that's their life, you know. You can't do that. You've got 70 years. Oh really, 70 years, three score and ten, that's your bid on this planet, right? Now, you've got to bloody do everything to accomplish everything. You, you, they say, oh, you know, you're, you're a jack, you know, jack of all trades, you're a master. No, but you do become a master, you know? And you do, I, I was a convert bloody bodyguard for, for Nelson Mandela. Fuck, how high can you go? You know, I, I looked after the King of Siam, but he ended up being the King of Thailand and he's dead now, you know? So how far can you go? It's just how much you want to put into it and how much you want to, to, to work. And you've always got that other guy that wants your position, you know? So, you know, you, 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 you've got to be good at what you're doing. You can't be shit. The same as my, my son said, he'll put someone on. If they're no fucking good, there's no use having him in that position. Now, my daughter's the same. She's climbed every fucking mountain in the world, B2 and bloody uh, 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 Kilimanjaro and all these ones. She's now doing the, the um, Kokoda Trail. Just I did that in 52. Christ, just after the Second World War it was, and, and she's doing it now. But she's the same. She's the boss of 27 and completely has a big firm down in Sydney and all the people that own it are over in bloody uh, London, you know. So she's doing that. And, and, and going to school, you've got to, whatever your kid has, you've got to get tutored for him. If he's lousy in maths or lousy in English or languages that shit him, get a tutor. They cost you fuck all and he'll tutor him. And as I said, my, my daughter, she's an accountant. She couldn't fuck that up four and four. <laughs> now, now she bloody runs. And at one stage, she was looking after Packers by the addresses. I believe that everyone has a period of lifetimes in their life. And uh, when you pack up and make another nest somewhere else in Australia or in the world, that's counted as one lifetime. Yeah. In my period of time on, on the planet, I've uh, made 22 lifetime decisions. Yeah. And uh, that's a lot. Charlie, you've really done a lot with your life. What do you suggest for people trying to do as much as they can with their little time? Rightio. Uh, you've got to look at life, uh, enjoy every minute that you're on this planet. Uh, it's a very short period of time. Uh, I've worked with sapphires, opals and gold, uh, and these elements have been around for millions of years, uh, as a 
three score and ten, which is 70 years on this yeah. planet, uh, it's a very short time. Yeah, so yes. you must, you must make every minute count. Yeah. And my advice for any young fellow is to, to get as much education as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. And in the words of Ted Knopfs, uh, who was the uh, chaplain of the Wayside Mission in King's Cross, I asked him one day, how would you raise your children? And he said, keep them alive until they're 18 and you're a very good parent. Mm. And that has basically rung true. What are some tips you'd wish you'd known back then? <laughs> I would have liked to have known how to make money at that stage of the game because I'm afraid the world uh, circulates around money and, uh, and that is a shame. Mm. Uh, I just recently went to Sydney uh, to uh, buy myself a, a Tesla electric car and it's worth nearly 200,000 yeah. Australian dollars. Uh, so basically, even if I want to become very environmentally, it's going to cost me yeah. money to do yeah. that. You race motorbikes in China. Talk about that a little bit. <laughs> yes, but the, the bikes that I race in China are micro mini bikes. So they're only capable of 120 kilometers an hour. They're water cooled. But... When you do come off them, I had a young fellow at 65 take me out on one of the um, uh, straights, and yep. uh, we, as we were sliding down the, the the main road at 120, we were both hoping not to hit anything oh. because we, uh, if you hit something, everything breaks when you when you're an old yeah. person. Yeah. But all in all, as I said, excitement is everything, adrenaline is everything, and I have found and been lucky enough not to be involved in drugs or alcohol, yeah. and I've had all my thrills and uh, all my excitement without both yeah. of those uh, elements. So with that, um, not, not being in involved with drugs, how, yeah. what kind of effect has that had on your life? Uh, a g g good, uh, yeah, a good effect uh, because I've had many, many friends die from uh, drug overdoses yeah. and many friends that have died from alcoholism. Mm. And um, when you do, uh, as a young person I work with, um, as I said, Ted Knopf's at the Wayside Mission, yeah. we saw every uh, type of problems with drugs and alcohol. We even saw young kids as y young as eight uh, who were prosti prostituting themselves uh, throughout the cross. And that really uh, wakes you up yeah. when, you, when you see something like that. With everything you've accomplished, if you could go back and do it all again, what do you think you'd do differently? I'm afraid I, I, I probably wouldn't do uh, anything at all differently. Uh, the reason for this uh, is that I stated to one of my, my children, and uh, I have three of them, uh, is that 
Uh, if I changed, no. The only thing that I probably would change that I might not get married again and have children. And the reason for that, I just wanted to experience a life without children and without being married. Mm. But that's the only reason. Uh, I, I was shouted down by my, my own children that, gee, you know, uh, you shouldn't say things like that. But uh, wasn't I wasn't against my children. No, I was no. just just interested in another lifestyle yeah. Yeah. that I never had. Costs a lot of money to raise children, mm. approximately about $100,000 per child, but a lot of people don't realise no. that. What do you want to be remembered for? <laughs> I look. There's far more important people in this world to be honoured and uh, and also to, to be cherished. Um, I have even <laughs> bought my own funeral. Um, I, I'm not a very religious person. Uh, I respect it all. I've seen it all. Um, so I'm, I basically would like just to say that I did my best at the time that I had and I enjoyed every moment of it. You've seen Australia grow. Do you think it's easier or harder for youth growing up these days with the direction that the world is heading to? I'm a little bit worried about uh, the problems uh, that we have now. Um, I, I was all involved with the Italians and the Greeks when they came out in the 40s and 50s. They basically helped build our country to what it is now. There was probably only about 6 million people in Australia and now we've got touching 26 million. Mm. But I have travelled to countries where that is in the city, the yeah. 26 million yeah. people are in the city. So, um, look, we, we, live, we live in one of the best countries in the world. Every time I get off a plane, I, I do the Pope thing, I kiss the ground. And the reason why I do that is because I think Australia is, is governed and also uh, our medical system is one of the best in the world. And uh, the minute I hear anyone that um, starts knocking Australia, I, I do, I get very upset. Yeah. Charlie, what was your prime time in your career and what were you doing? <laughs> My prime time is any time that I'm on this planet. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy life to the hilt. Mm -hmm. uh, I uh, show cars. I race uh, motorbikes. I, uh, I love riding horses. I do everything I possibly can at the age that I am, uh, uh, that I'm capable of. And... Um, Everyone says, you know, I oh, you shouldn't be doing that. I also play drums. I enjoy that. I never took drums up until I was 70, but um, uh, now I still enjoy it, and I enjoy the gigs that we, we go in and uh, do at the time. So what advice do you have for the next generation? Right, uh, the next generation is my, my grandchildren. I have... Um, 
a beautiful uh, girl of 13. I have two twin boys that are 11 and uh, two other young girls, uh, three and five. Um, the world is becoming a very busy place. Um, we basically used to only hit drums to communicate to one another uh, when I was young, but now the, the children of today have basically got the internet. Now, mm -hmm. I, I helped a little bit with that internet. I worked on Celiac, which was the largest computer in, uh, in physics in the 50s. That was 65 uh, ton in weight. And my watch now has more memory than the uh, actual uh, celiac yeah. computer. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, children now are communicating uh, and there's a, an incredible zest for, uh, for information. Yeah. And the web was basically built for the universities of the world to transmit information that was never designed to uh, be for the, the ordinary person. Mm. But as you can see, it into totally it. controls our life yeah. as it is now. And I cannot, I, I uh, in the 50s was driving a hovercraft and I thought by the year 2000, all transportation would be by hovercraft. Yeah. But afraid, no, the world uh, has not turned that fast. But I was very lucky to live through the moon landing, and I was very lucky to work at parks when uh, the giant square and telescope down there and uh, transmitter and receiver. Uh, if it wasn't for that, uh, they would not have had communication from the moon to Australia. So I, I was a little bit involved in the moon landing too. Oh. Uh, but that's all I can say. On your whole journey, what have you enjoyed the most? <laughs> I've enjoyed basically probably the most of seeing all my children at birth. I was there at, at their birth. I totally enjoyed that. And probably that would be the greatest uh, time of my life throughout my career, mm -hmm. uh, being and and enjoying uh, raising my children yeah. and my grandchildren to the present time that they're uh, now. Mm. Do you have any advice for me personally? Yes, I have actually. You're fifteen. You're, you're quite. Uh, you, you have um, quite a pleasant personality. Um, I feel that you will go further in your life and I only hope that you don't have the pitfalls that a lot of my friends have in their time. Uh, but as I said, uh, it's up to you to uh, dedicate your life to, to something and, and go for it. And I'll say again, uh, you know what's right and wrong. Yeah. And, and while you follow those uh, times, you'll be as successful as what you want to be. 
and all I can say is go for it. I only wish that I had uh, another 75 years to mm. 80 years uh, to, to follow your, <laughs> your, your right to, to passage. With that, I wonder what your journey would, like, would be like if you were born in this generation. What do you think you'd want to do? Mm. If you had that extra 75 years. Gee. Well, as I said, in my youth, there was only ice boxes and you carried the ice block on, on your shoulder and put it in for your mother. Mm. Uh, these days, uh, my, my, one of my sons uh, is a controller of 19,000 employees, uh, the second largest company in France in the world. Um, he has everything in front of him and I believe he will retire at 49 and uh, gee, I, I, I'm just amazed in what he has done yeah. in the period of time that he's been on this planet. Sweet. Well, Charlie, this has been so much, so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We'll end <laughs> it there. That's all right. I would love to be around for the next 50 years, yeah. as I said, just to see how you achieve the goals that you set out to do. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks, Charlie. That's okay. And that's the cut. We have reached the part of the podcast where we normally end. And I want to thank you for getting this far. But for me, Charlie was a very interesting uh, character. And you can find out more about him by continuing to listen as he talks about being the best in your field. Starting out emptying garbage cans and then he became the officer in charge of the entire business. Stories from his former policing for Sydney universities and his early morning carpool pickups. He has even got plans to fly over the Serengeti Plains with a 9 horsepower backpack and a canopy in hope to follow the Great Migration. His emphasis on the small amount of time we have. Charlie opens up about what made him successful and the tips he has for anyone who is willing to listen. Here's part B of the episode. These are some of Charlie's thoughts on being the best. Oh, you, you, you do, because there's so many other people out there that want your job. And I found out it, when I become the officer in charge of Booty Booty, where you're yeah. camping, I built all that. Yeah. Know? When I became the officer, they would not employ you if you was over 35 because that was a government job. And once you turned 35, you got out of the workforce or you couldn't join the police force, you couldn't join the army, military, navy, uh, uh, because you were over 35. So basically you had to wank a lot of things to be able to get yourself fully employed. Now I started out as a park worker, emptying garbage cans and I ended up being the officer in charge of the entire and talking to people like Bob Carr, who was a minister, and uh, and and basically getting your toilet block eighty thousand dollars Bob Carr gave to me to build that toilet block down there, but you had to basically look at every job and become the best because when you go and get interviewed by by 
fellow committees it was the state recreation area and it was run by a trust so i had 10 or 12 bosses at that time that thought they owned you and and they would come drive down there and if one section picnic area wasn't mowed that was his special thing he'd complain no matter how many 1800 hectares i was keeping clean oh. That was the one that I had to do, you know? Yeah. And the same as I, I had 1,500 bikies in, in there at one stage and I had to control them. The police told me, you look after them while they're in there and I will look after them when they're out in the road. Well, I had the common cherries, I had the, the motherfuckers and I also had the hell's angels and the common cherries were the ones that just had the big massacre and everything, I had to put them down Janie's corner so they wouldn't fight the bloody uh, the first. That's why I'm, I've been a, a bike rider uh, for 60 years yeah. and I belong to the Hogs, uh, the Rebels, all the gangs that you can think of I've been a, a member of and that's because I could communicate with them and control 1,500 uh, bikies down there. And they did an emu pick, and the place was cleaner than what it was when they come there. They picked up bloody butts because, as, as I, I... And one stage again, they had a joint removal affair, and they were putting porn on that, and it was showing out to the road. And I had to go in there and tell them to turn it around <laughs> facing the the beach so the people there was, there was cars parked and going to crash into one another and everything because there's joint 20 foot dicks and all this sort of stuff happening you know and and they, they said this you know and and this is where um that's why when i went to sydney university and become uh, uh, an officer in charge of uh, each shift, we had 30,000 students to look after and 5,000 employees. Now, because there's 5,000 employees, I had to become like a, 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 a paramedic because we had a heart attack every day and I was the first response. So I, I, I only worked on probably nine people and I lost... Five, I suppose, four, I won, you know, and that wouldn't be around, they're still on this planet, you know, but I lost five being there and that's working, you know, and, and, and you're lucky to make one percent actually when a person has a heart attack, but you then deal with 30,000 students and they've all got problems, see, most of when they have a problem in, in, in China, because they used to send their, their girls out here, because girls were nothing. Boys yeah. were everything in China. So for a girl to be sent out to Sydney University to become a doctor, was like, she had to be a doctor. Yeah. And she had to get, you know, not credits, she had to get distinctions in everything. If not, they jump off the buildings. Now, you never read this in the papers, nothing like that, the amount of suicides from, from students. We had to lock 60, 165 buildings every night. We had to lock the rooftops to stop them from jumping off the, 
and people won't write it up because they're worth a hundred thousand dollars to Sydney University, yeah. so they don't want to say no. that you know these kids uh, if uh, if they can't become perfect they just, and and I'd have them ring me up at two thirty they'd be down the rocks as pisses as fast and and they'd say look. I'm stuck, I've lost my wallet, I've lost my credit card, can you come and get me? We had to treat 30,000 kids like your own kids and drive down and pick them up and take them, you know? Or you'd have kids that have been having a great time and broke something somewhere like that. I, had a, I used to drive a paddy wagon, so we'd come and put them in the paddy wagon, the people were taking them off, would say, oh, thank you, take them to the police, you know, well, yeah, well, everything like that. We'd take them straight back to their college. And I had one bloke, he was so drunk, he's yelling, you fucking bastard, and he's gone. And the other one saying, shut up, shut up. He said, he's taking us home, he's taking us home. He said, he's putting me in the bloody paddy wagon. He said, shut up, get in there, get in yeah. there. And I took him home, you know, because we had the right to uh, if if they played up to a, a point, we could disqualify them from university for ten years, any university in Australia, and that was a big thing because their career is had it. If they can't be young and get a degree, and they've got to wait until another ten years, they, they've lost it, right? So that's the control that you had, you know. And when I uh, done one thing, uh, Commissioner Ryan came out here to fix up all our police forces and everything like that for corruption. Now, at that time, the Indigenous people had taken from Redfern. I looked after Everly Street, so that was a pretty big deal. And they had Victoria Park taken over by, by camps and everything. Well, Commissioner Ryan said, well, I've got to talk to them, but I believe I've got to get smoked. And he said, what's that all about, see? So I, I, I jokingly said, oh, they just stick a skewer up your ass around there and they'll put you over the fire and turn. He said, you bloody Aussies, you know, you're all bloody idiots, you know. He said, yeah. what do you mean? I said, look, I'll get smoked with you. And he said, right here. So we're at this big bloody Victoria Park in Sydney, yeah. right near the university and Grace Brothers. He's standing there. And I grabbed his hand and he took my hand. And I'm in full uniform and we walked over and we got smoked. And he said, you bastard, you're really stirring me up, aren't you? And I said, it's all right, mate. You know, this is how we do things. Because once the elders had smoked him, then all the young guys who were causing all the trouble could not stir him up because he's been smoked and, and traditionally you can't stir them up and so he won you know but he tried to stir up I, I was a good friend of Roger Rogerson and he was the most decorated police officer in Australian history believe it or not he's in time doing for murder you know yeah. But in the 50s and 60s, we had the triads, which was a Chinese group, and they were trying to take over the cross. And even uh, Freeman, uh, George Freeman, went over to uh, America to try and get the mafia involved because the triads were nearly taken over, you know. So basically, Roger Rogerson was grown up 
with that problem. So that, that Chinese kid only had to say, don't you do the wrong thing or I'll get my triad, mate. He would have been dead before he got the, the last word out, you know, because Roger hated triads, you know, because he had a hell of a lot of problems in the 50s and 60s with triads. So, so you know, a lot of people, the crap that they put on television and the blurry... Look, mate, they can film your colour of your eyes from a satellite up there, right? And then when you see all these bloody videos and they're all bloody lousy, they can't even tell whether it's the guy... It's all crap, you know, it's all set up. And Nick Greiner, which has given me... A, I, I've been presented with an honour from Nick Greiner and also John Fay and also Bob Carr. One for, for doing all the uh, 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 Newcastle earthquake. I was involved in that and controlled all that section. In 92, we had gigantic fires. I, I'd done all that. That was John Fay. First was Nick Greiner and, and the big fires in 92. I was involved in that. I was a spotter in the air in bloody helicopters and bloody everything like that. And, and um, Bob Carr, he, he was, uh, he was uh, the minister I was talking to as a uh, minister. But also I used to knock around with Senator Graham Richardson, who was a stand-up comic. He, he won new faces as a stand-up comic, and he ended up becoming a Graham Richardson a senator. And he was a numbers man in Bob Hawke and, and uh, the other blokes. Uh, time you know so so yeah so yeah you know this is why i'm saying enjoy life and be involved in it and be involved in everything that you possibly do you know and uh i i yeah i that's what i try to do and i i that's why i fly i'm trying to organize i'll go back to england and i'll try and organize to fly over stonehenge because i love the concept of, uh, of thousands of years old in the 21st century flying over uh, with uh, I, I fly a, a backpack it's a nine horsepower motor on your back wow. and then you've got a big canopy that you blow up and you yeah. take off and all that sort of crap you know? Um, I remember I have a girlfriend, she's 34, and um, uh, she's a doctor, and, and she's overseas now, God, she's lovely, and we were flying, and I said, look, the wind had come up, we're about a thousand foot up, and I said, it's going to be a bad landing, see, and we have two harnesses, and she's in front of me, and I'm flying it, and everything like that, so we're coming in, and I'm talking, we communicate from London yeah, up. And I said, this is going to be rough. And she said, well, I am a doctor. And I said, yes, and I'm 200 pounds. I'm going to land on you first, you know. And she said, oh, fair enough, fair, fair enough. Yeah, so I, I'm trying to plan a trip this year to, to fly over the Serengeti Plains uh, with the migration going through. I've done it by balloon, but balloon goes one way, you, you know, migration yeah. goes another, so I, I want to follow them from, from up there. Yeah. Whether I, I ever do it, um, uh, I've been invited to go over to Coldplay. Um, I'll go over there. He lives at, oh, the drummer of Coldplay. Yeah. 
he he lives at the Coxworld. He's he, he owns a castle, and he just paid two hundred and fifty thousand to air condition his stables. Thing. No, he buys the stables to put his cars in there. He's got <laughs> six Ferraris. He just paid one point nine million pound for a nineteen fifty six Ferrari. Oh. Uh, it was the only one in the world and and everything, but because of the weather in England, you've got to, you know, so, so I hoped to go and he said, oh, I said, I might have a partner. He said, oh, bring her too, or whatever. And I just said, oh, no, I used to live above lay girls. So my fir- first lady was a maphrodite. I don't know whether you've gone into maphrodite no. or know them. I've only met two in my lifetime. Maphrodite is both sexes. It's got a, a gear stick on the left-hand side of the, of the fatty, you know. So oh, yeah. it's pretty unique. And she had my first child. She had my first boy. Uh, pretty unique. But I, 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 as I said, I've only met two maphrodites in the world. And... Um, and one lady that had three breasts, uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, different, but, um, you know, uh, yeah. So so when you live above L.A., uh, the fountain, you know, and I lived, lay girls were underneath, used to meet a lot of very funny people. Yeah. You know? uh, strange people, uh, incredible people. And if you can keep your mind open, right, and and go with whoever you meet, you know? really really enjoy it and go for it. Uh, have have uh, have have opinions. Your your opinion is as good as everyone else. But for God's sake, don't become a dictator at it. No. You know? In in your lifetime, and if you do that, you'll meet an incredible lot of people, and you'll enjoy life much better and you're only three minutes to four minutes away from death and that kind of shakes you up when you're 15. Try hold your breath for four minutes mate and see how it goes. That's how close you are to, to so be aware of, of, of you but be aware of other people too. Look at every job and become the best. Uh, well, thank you so much, Charlie. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> That's so all right, mate. Jeez, you know. Uh, I hope it helps you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and uh, you know, I can be one of many. There can be another hundred or a thousand yeah. interviews that you do or something. I'm, I'm quite privileged to be your first one. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Thank you, Dad. And that was part B of the episode. If you enjoyed it, you can rate it on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to find out more about the podcast, you can head over to my website at julianmunyard.com. I do hope you got something from it. Uh, There's a lot that stuck out to me. But exceptionally, he said this. You'll be as successful as what you want to be. I'll leave you with that. And thank you for listening to JJ Live.